and welcome back to another episode of Producer Grind Podcast. Carrington and JB with me. Yo. Yo. Ecap in the building, man. Yo, what's up, guys? Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you pulling up from San Francisco. That's lit. For sure, man. Had to come out to ATL. It's been too long. Definitely. Yeah, yeah man. We, uh, we, got, we got a lot that we want to talk to you about, man. Um, primarily a lot about sound design. We're definitely uh, hyped to have you on the podcast because a lot of producers that we get on here, we haven't really had a chance to talk too much about, you know, sound design and really molding sounds, creating sounds and messing with knobs on synths and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we definitely want to talk about what you've done on Spotify. I know you got a couple of songs that are literally just beats with over a million plays, mm -hmm. making some revenue on Spotify, which is, you know, a business model that we've been, you know, trying to tell a lot of producers to look into. Uh, I definitely want to talk about the YouTube side of things and, you know, also your placement stuff that you've done, you know, with artists like Jordan Lucas and stuff. So we're going to get into all that, man, but let's, uh, you know, as always, we like to kind of find out, you know, how everyone that comes on the show, how they got started and stuff. So how did you even get into making beats? Right. So, um, so back when I was in like ninth grade, I was actually in a rap group called Young Tribe. And, um, we used to rap over instrumentals. Like I had like a four track tape deck and, um, we quickly realized we need beats if we're going to keep doing this. So I got an HR 16 drum machine and a SP 202 sampler. And I basically had to learn to make beats for us. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> and they were whack, <laughs> but I realized I loved making beats. So throughout like high school, that's all I did. Like mm -hmm. I would, I had cool edit back then, cool edit and, uh, the MPC. Mm. And I used to chop everything and cool edit and just make beats out of it. And um, that was pretty much the beginning. Like it was, it just started from there and I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. Yeah. Were you making like boom bap beats or like? All boom bap, yeah. Okay. Was cool edit a software? Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. So what cool edit, it, it's, it was, um, a lot of people were using it back then. And basically what you had to do, there was no MIDI. So you had to take, like a kick, snare, and hi-hat, drag it in, and like copy-paste it. Mm -hmm. But you had to know like 300 milliseconds between hi-hats, and you had to make your loops that way. So you couldn't even set BPM? No grid? Uh, there was no grid. Wait, was there a grid? The beat, I don't remember actually. Talk about some crazy swing. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was wild, but we made it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was... Wild um. West. DJ yeah. Payne One actually still makes beats like that, like where he, he yeah he uses like acid yeah, but I he doesn't use MIDI for drums. He literally the sample like copies and pastes it or whatever. I don't know how exactly he does it, but like to chop breed. the sample, we had to like <laughs> like click copy and then paste it right next to it and yeah. like, move it around if you wanted to chop it. It was it was crazy. Mm. We lucky now, new school. Oh my god, yeah. As soon as I got to Reason, it was like, oh, there's MIDI. I can actually like chop a sample on a keyboard. It was, mm -hmm. it was, it was, was like game transition changing. after the cool edit. Yep. Uh, it was like I had MPC for a little bit and mm -hmm. Reason was like the next transition. When did you move into like Ableton? and? So Ableton was like, I'd say about 10 years ago. I got into Ableton. Oh. And that was before FL or? Yeah, FL was like two years ago. Okay. So now I use Ableton and FL and Pro Tools. Mm, okay. So one thing I want to talk a lot about, it's, it's good that we got a guy that's Ableton and FL. Every time we meet an Ableton guy, he's like, mm -hmm. yo, man, you got you to switch to Ableton, got to switch to Ableton. What are some of the things that stand out that are ben more beneficial to use in Ableton than FL? The first thing I want to say is um, the reason why I wanted to use FL, because a lot of people would say, 
drums don't hit as hard in Ableton as FL. Mm -hmm. And FL just sounds better. And I tested it and it's actually false. That's mm -hmm. what I Like they both sound exactly the same. Mm. Oh. And I'll tell you like the things in FL, there's a, um, there's a limiter on the master. Um, and that ruins, like, it definitely ruins the sound. Like, it doesn't cut through as hard if you use the default setting, but you can edit it so it hits the same. In Ableton, I started using um, the glue compressor because that's a soft clipper too. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, they're exactly the same. So don't use it based on sound, but FL, it definitely has a certain feel to it and it has a certain fluidity to it. Mm -hmm. um, they, they both have their own vibe. Um, Ableton, I just find I can do more creative effects, more like transitions. Mm -hmm. um, FL is better if you want to make a loop. Like it's awesome for like, you know, coming up with loops. Mm -hmm. It's actually really inspiring for Drum that. loops or melody loops? Both. Mm -hmm. um, mostly drums. Like it's amazing for drums. I love the channel rack. Um, Ableton, um, I, I feel like FL gave me a different perspective on that. And I, I feel like both of them are amazing tools though. Mm -hmm. Mm. So if they sound the same. What what about like uh, workflow and stuff? I love FL for just making drum loops. Like it's so fast for that. And mm -hmm. I feel like the channel rack is amazing. Um, Ableton, I love for like creative effects. Like you can really go in on a sample. Mm -hmm. um, the automation's just so easy. Like it just flows. Mm. Um, FL, maybe it's because I'm newer to it, but I found like the automation is a little more... I guess difficult to get into. Yeah. Um, Ableton, I I love finishing my production in Ableton and starting it in FL. Mm -hmm. So that's been my workflow mm -hmm. lately. Mm -hmm. And then like lately, I've also learned Pro Tools. So mixing in Pro Tools is amazing. Like when I have a vocalist come in and, mm -hmm. and we record vocals and yeah. um, bring the stems of the beat from Ableton or FL in and then just mix and do all the effects. I love the audio suite, um, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Mm. Um. Talking about, um, well, I got, I got a question. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. What are some of the like, do you, like any third-party plugins that you like to use? Well, actually, first, sticking with the the Ableton versus FL, are the stock plugins in Ableton? How do they compare to the stock plugins in FL? They're both amazing. Um, FL has some plugins that you can't really duplicate the sound in Ableton. And Ableton has some plugins that you definitely can't duplicate in FL. So both of them, like for... One plugin I love in, in uh, FL, it's a simple one, but fast distortion. Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, fast distortion. <laughs> getting that 808 through fast distortion just sounds amazing. Like it has mm -hmm. a certain feel to it. Um, mm -hmm. Blood Overdrive is amazing in FL. Wave Shaper is amazing mm -hmm. for 808s and kicks. Um, Ableton, uh, the erosion plugin, like it just gives you like a certain top end mm. um, when you use the white noise. <laughs> Um, on kicks and bass, it sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. um, the approach I take with like sound design in general is like, just try shit, just have fun. Um, a lot of times you'll load up a plugin, you might not even know what it does and just do something with it and you'll make a new sound. And you'll be like, you can kind of ride that out. Be like, yo, this is something I came up with. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people love to, like see what other people do and emulate it. And I think that's good because when I started, like, you know, I loved um, learning how producers did certain stuff. Mm. But I find that the best thing you can do is just try shit and come up with your own sound. And that's kind of like how, what I did 
to come up with drums that knock. Like I, you know, just, it was trial and error and just doing random stuff just gave me my own kind of signature, like over time. Mm. So. I remember what I was about to say, in one of your videos, you were talking about tips for sound design. You said you like to switch up DAWs because you just, sometimes you get, you catch different vibes and different, it's like a different mindset or whatever when you're in certain DAWs. Right, definitely. Like as soon as I started using FL, like it gave me a new perspective on production because I've been using Ableton for a while. Moving to FL, um, it just has a different bounce, a different swing, um, a different vibe. They sound the same sonically, like the the actual, like when you put in two files, they'll sound the same. But um, I find that just the way I think about music changes when I go to different DAWs. Mm. I started even using Studio One for a bit, like mm. mixing some stuff in there. Mm. But um, I find that like in Pro Tools, like the way that I mix or approach a mix is just different. It's just easier. Like you can drag a plugin in once and it'll go to all the tracks. So mm. you have all your compressors in all at once. So um, yeah. And then I just go with what I feel in that moment. Like I might be like, okay, today's an Ableton day and I just use Ableton, maybe even for a week. And then I might be on an FL kick where I'm like, okay, I'm going to limit it just to FL. And then I'm on FL for that week. Mm -hmm. So I find that that just, it helps keep you fluid and just, keep things flowing, you know, just trying different stuff. It's almost like knowing how to speak multiple languages and shit. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm speaking Japanese today. When you're in these different um, DAWs and you're switching between them, do you see yourself like tend to gravitate towards certain techniques like in different plugins or not in different plugins, but different DAWs gravitate towards different techniques? Yeah, that's a good question. I like... Definitely each DAW has its own like workflow and vibe. Um, so like when I'm in Ableton, a lot of my beats will have, um, you know, a different vibe because of what plugins are, are in it. Um, when I'm in FL, because of what plugins are in it and because of the channel rack, like I just take a different approach a lot of times. But the dope thing is when I'm in FL and then I move back to Ableton, I'd be like, oh, I, I miss how FL like in the piano roll, you can pan a sound so easily. Mm. So I might start panning sounds in Ableton. Mm. Um, I find that um, when you learn a new, like a lot of people say, oh, I'm FL gang, I'm Ableton gang. <laughs> you might as well just be both, like try both of them and, yeah. and then go back and both forth. Flags? Oh, <laughs> both flags? Both flags. Kind of, yeah. No, because it, there's, I mean, do they pay you to use it? No, right, right, I mean, right. <laughs> you have to just be free and, and use whatever makes your production the You're best. Right. Like, I'm not right. going to claim I'm some software gang. Like, just be free and, and try everything and, and everything will give you something new, I feel. <clears throat> like, because there's a reason why people use FL. There's a reason why people use Ableton. There's a reason mm -hmm. people use Pro Tools. And if you can see what that is, you can improve your skill and mm -hmm. get better. Have can more you, tools. Can you hear when, like, in certain beats, can you hear, like, Oh, he only uses FL. Like I can tell that he's not as creative as he would be if he was in another plugin. Um, or vice versa. I think sometimes maybe with new producers, but I think as people like start to know what they want to do and and kind of have a sound, I think it like I could make a beat in FL in Ableton that people think was in FL because I know how it works in FL and vice versa. So mm -hmm. I think that sometimes it can be limiting right. factor, but um end of the day you can do anything in any DAW mm. I feel keeping talking about sound design I gotta ask you what's like with this like uh the field recorder trend and because we've we've never really tried it 
like going out and just like you know recording random sounds and stuff like that uh why why do you think that's like uh become such a trend well i think people are starting to sense that they can't just what's happening a lot of times with people who make like producers that make drum kits is they'll take like the young chop snare or the lex luger snare and like re like add some reverb to it and all of a sudden that is part of the drum kit and I think they're realizing that they need some new fresh sounds. So um, I think just something that people are starting to realize is originality is important. Like people have to start, if they're going to start getting into drum kits, they need to start making their own stuff just so Ooh. like the people can have something fresh. Like as someone who makes drums, drums at knock, like I feel like it's so important every time to innovate and make like new sounds that no one's heard before. And I think field recorders is one way to get new sounds from the world mm. and bring it into your production. Mm. So for me, like I'll use field recorders to bring in new sounds. Um, but a lot of my stuff is through synthesis. Like I'll actually design the kick, design the snare. Um, and I feel like that, that's really what the drum kit game is hungry for, like new original sounds. And, okay. and that's what I try to do every time. And when you say create, you're talking about like in v like in VSTs, like in your tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I talk about in my tutorials, like how to make a sound from scratch. Um, I've always, I've always loved sound since I was a kid. So if I produce a record, um, I want, I want to have something different in it. Like I don't want it to sound like every track that's out there. Um, and I find like, and not to go off on a tangent, but it kind of connects. I find that. A lot of people think they have to make something that has already been done in order to be accepted to get in the industry. Like I need to make a track like what's hot right now. And it's true when, when you have an artist that's not a visionary, like that will work. But if you really, I find that if you really want to change the game and get ahead, you have to make something different. And what I always say, and a lot of great producers say is make something that's true to you, make something that's from the heart make something that you actually want to make. And there's probably going to be someone who loves it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the best artists do that. So I try to do that and follow in that footstep. I mean, that's the, uh, like, it's a lot easier said than done. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Hey. I mean, I feel like a lot of people just feel like, I mean, even I've caught myself getting in like the box, like this is just too out there. Or, right. Right. Even right. like questioning your career, like, oh, do my beats sound as good as so-and-so, you know? like. Right. You know, it's crazy because we were talking about this when I came in. Like, I, I release all my tracks on Spotify. Like, mm -hmm. I have a lot of instrumental stuff that I don't place. Um, and I put it out um, just because it's something I want to put out. And I was thinking, like, you know, maybe someone will like this. I don't know. I started releasing beats, like, six years ago, mm -hmm. just releasing them on Spotify. And I didn't have, like, listeners in the beginning. And... um a couple of years ago, I had like 900 monthly listeners. And then overnight, it went from like 900 to I think it was at the time 25,000. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, there must be a mistake. Like all of a sudden, I have 25,000 monthly listeners. I realized that Spotify at that time, they were putting my music on a playlist. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like my numbers just kept going up. It was not promotion I did or anything like that. It was just me releasing the music I wanted to release anyways. Mm -hmm. And now at this point, I'm, it just keeps going up and up and I'm not having to promote all, you know, the music through that. Like you get put on a playlist and you're part of the algorithm, like you're getting listeners. And 
And I just found like some of my weird experimental beats, there's a market for it. Mm. So I just want to encourage like producers, if, if you want to just explore sound, there's a market for that. It doesn't have to be a major placement. Like I've done major placements. I got placements with, you know, the baby, Jorna Lucas, Talib Kweli, a bunch of guys. I love producing for artists, but I find that the best thing a new artist can think about is to build your own brand. Like start just thinking about who you are as a producer, as an artist. You know, if it's, and you know, I did my, I worked on my path my own way and everyone has their own path, but mm -hmm. I just want producers to know if you make beats that are kind of weird or different, or uh, it's just a vibe that you like, put it out there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. How do you um, not be at the mercy of the algorithm? Like, cause I, mm -hmm. I heard in your other interview that you got put on the Discover Weekly. Right. But for everyone that's putting music out, like you're kind of just waiting for that to happen. Is there a way to not necessarily like, like hack the system or um, build your profile to where you can increase your chances of getting on that Discover Weekly? I bet it's possible. Um, to be honest, it's when I look at the Spotify algorithm, it's so cryptic. Like, mm -hmm. I never once felt like I cracked the code or anything like that. But I do know that when I'm really feeling something, it might be different, but I'm really feeling it. There's someone else that feels it too. Mm. And I just trust that someone's going to share it or it's going to get out there in some way. And, and hopefully it'll take off. And it took me a long time to, mm. really, to really be at a point where I'm like, yo, this is working. Like it's mm. hard. As an independent artist, it's so difficult. Like anything I say is not going to be a golden ticket. It's like everyone has their breakthrough because they put in the hard work and just keep going year after year after year. Um, I don't think you can hack the system. Like, mm. I, I, think, um, I think that you can, I think being consistent and just paying attention, listening, trying new stuff all the time, I feel like that's the best way you can have a chance to, to break through. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to happen for everyone, but if you're dedicated and you put that intention out there, I want this to pop off. I want to produce for these artists. I want to have my own brand of drum kits or I want to release my own solo music and have it pop. It can happen. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. Yeah. Well, some input I'll give too, because it's crazy that you didn't even seek out playlists or none of that stuff. Um, as like a side project, I think it was like in fall of 2017, I put out a little lo-fi album and uh, I never promoted like on producer grind or nothing, nothing like that. I just wanted to see what I could do just organically. Never promoted it on my IG. I created a whole new like name brand and everything. And, um, what I did is I just went on, you know how Spotify, anyone can make a playlist. I just typed in like lo-fi in the playlist section, found like the playlist that had like 4,000 to like 10,000 monthly listeners, you know what I'm saying? And just reached out to, like, I found their name because, you know, how it says this playlist is created by, and I would go type that name in IG and just see, like, okay, try to find them. And like, oh, this is the guy that owns that playlist with 5,000 fans um, and reached out to him. Like, yo, man, I just dropped a lo-fi album. You know, would love uh, if you, you know, took a listen to it. You know, some some of them were like, oh, it costs this much money. Some people are like, oh, yeah, man, just, just send the link. I'll, I'll check it out. And long story short, a couple of them put me on the playlist and, I got up to like 10,000 monthly listeners, but I, I just did it as a side project. Like I never even like went back. I never really continued to release music or nothing, but just for me putting like made the album in like a month and then probably like three days of trying to reach out to people didn't take long to, mm. to get some traction going and stuff. Mm. That's amazing. It, it just goes to show you like, try. I, I mean, I didn't do that. And I, 
actually listening to you say that, I've been thinking I should probably do more of that, reaching out to playlists, because I think that it's an open market. Like yeah, definitely. People have playlists with a lot of um, a lot of followers. They're looking for good music. And so they probably resonated with your music, and they were like, yeah, it's perfect. Right. Mm. So that's dope. That's that's perfect. Yeah. So it's just sometimes, sometimes by putting in a little bit of that footwork. I, I released a song, like I just released music on Spotify. Like I have an EP coming out this week, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I finished it like Saturday mm-hmm. or Sunday, right before I was getting on the flight out here. And um, I was like, I feel like putting out an EP. We're in a time where you can just release music. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just, it's amazing. And I actually, I did, I put out a song um, back in 2016. It was called Hotbox. And um, it was with uh, Aziz, Tico, and Therapy. And, um, you know, I just put it out there. We didn't like do any promo or anything, but it ended up on the viral 50 Spotify chart, which mm-hmm. made it go to Billboard. Damn. And so it hit number six on Billboard. Mm-hmm. Damn. I didn't do any promo. It was a self-release. It was just something I put up on DistroKid and the shit popped off. So you can get on Billboard through releasing your own stuff. And uh-huh. that track, it was a, an <clears throat> instrumental with a rapper, Aziz, like later on in the track. And, and Tico did some cuts on it and me and therapy kind of did the beat to get, we did the beat together like a couple months before that. Um, so that's an example of you could be on billboard, just releasing your own stuff. Anything is possible. Right. So this album that you're about to drop, is it just beats or you, you got artists rapping over and stuff too? It's uh it's literally just three instrumentals. Okay. It's uh, I collab with three producers, uh, golden child, oh gosh, Leotis and the count. Mm-hmm. all upcoming amazing producers and uh and we just had these collabs and i was like i'm gonna put out an ep and just get it out there just because i felt mm-hmm. like it yeah and who knows it might pop off maybe not but there's always more music yeah mm-hmm. and uh we had literally just posted um on our ig the other day um a tweet from our uh, lawyer carl he said that producers that have songs with artists whether they're major or independent up and coming and say you say you know you link with the artist, you guys make a couple of songs. They don't end up putting it out. He said the conversation needs to happen of you trying to get those songs to put out like how you have on your own play on your own Spotify and under your name like Decap featuring. Right. And we had like we had mixed mixed comments. There were people that were like, uh, "Yeah, Ben saying this, this is facts," and some people were like, "Oh man, good luck. That ain't gonna happen <laughs> and stuff like that." But I think they they kind of overlooked the point. It's like okay, maybe if you know, you got, you got a song with the baby that's just chilling. Maybe he's not just going to send it over and be like, yeah, man, go ahead, drop it. You know, right. got to pay that <laughs> right. label clearance, right. whatever, if they even are interested in it. But like you said, just by artists and stuff that you have relationships with, you just put shit out and the shit ended mm-hmm. up on Billboard. It's, it's amazing model. Cause it's like, that was the first time I had a song with my name on Billboard. So it's like, usually like someone would be like, yo, I want to get a Drake placement. And when I do this placement, I'm going to, you know, pop off as a producer. And I think that's true. You will. Um, poss- you'll get more out there and more known. But why not, instead of shooting for only placements and only trying to compete with all the other producers competing for placements, why yeah. not just find an artist, work with them, make it dope and release it? It can pop off. And yeah. not only that, mm. but now you own the master and now you can get opportunities for all of you. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need a label deal like you can put it out all of a sudden you can hit up a licensing company get a licensing deal Mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities that open up and you know you might not be in a certain circle of like big name producers or whatever or you might do all of it 
Um, I, for me, my goal is to just build my brand, Decap, Future Knock, Knock, all that stuff, because everything extends out from there. That's like my pillar. That's my home base. So now when Drake needs tracks, I can send tracks to Drake. It's not just me. It's my team. It's tracks we do together. It's tracks I do. It's tracks they do. Whatever fits. Now all of a sudden I have releases. I have drum kits. I have uh, major placements. Master classes. Master classes, which I have. I just released a master class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm signed up with Song Trust, so I'm getting uh, publishing administration through them overseas. You can own it all. Like you, you're not at the mercy of a label, you know, with an artist. Like I, I feel like building your brand in that way, it gives you the power. So if an artist comes to you and, and they want to undercut you, you're not, you're not like, oh, I have to give away this free beat. You can say no, because I have all these other things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's happened here and there. Like I've had artists approach me and be like, oh, no, we're not going to pay you for that. Or we're going to pay you lower than, than what I want. And you know, what I find is like at the point now I have so many other lines of business and streams of income. I, I can say yes or no if it, if it works, but it just helps you in the negotiation to have your own thing going for you. Let's, let's go deeper into that though. Like how, how useful is it to say no? It's like, you know, it's something that you made, you know, in a matter of, you know, could be minutes to hours. You know I mean? Something like, like you can reuse. It's like, you can get X amount of dollars for it or you can get zero dollars for it. Why would you even say no? The point isn't that you should say no. The point is that you can say no. Because I think a lot of people are at a point where they need that money just to survive. They need to sign. I know artists, OGs in the game who signed these publishing deals, art, like famous groups we all know. They signed these publishing deals and now they are realizing how bad that deal was because right. they needed that 30K when they started. And now you know, 20, 30 years later, they're like, fuck this shit. Like I just got, our group got fucked over by this. Mm -hmm. And nowadays there's so much information, like what you guys are doing with this podcast. This is for producers to learn the game and learn like new trends and new ways to move and to move around in this. Um, I don't think that an artist, if they have an opportunity, they should say no. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's bad to, to, give away a free beat. But if you're at a position where you can say no, you can choose what is the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. You're not doing something because you're broke or desperate. You're doing it because it's the right move for you and your career. And it's adding value to whoever you're working with. Mm-hmm. I think it's about relationship. And if you're getting walked over in the relationship, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. That's I, the way I look at it. hundred percent agree. I was going to ask like, how did you teach yourself to not be emotional about everything? Cause it's easy for you to say that. Like it's easy, it's easy to say like, Oh, um, know your worth. You know what I'm saying? Don't say yourself. Don't say yourself short. But with the emotion, it's like I may not ever get this opportunity again. You know? Right. I think um, I still do get emotional. Like when mm. when something happened. Like you know, when something happens and it doesn't go how I want it to go. There's mm. always that feeling of like, fuck. <laughs> I wanted it to be different, but you just have to get to a point where you have enough going on that it's not about this one thing that's going to change your career. It's mm-hmm. you are in command of, of your whole operation. Yeah. And because you're the CEO of you, you are, you are able to say yes or no, depending on what's right for you. 
It's mm-hmm. not about, um, I need to do this so I can get up there or, or whatever. I, I need, this is my golden ticket. There is no golden ticket. It's just you making good moves for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Good move after good move after good move. You will make mistakes, but you can always just do it again and choose nice. again. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm curious, um, the mentality you have, not everyone comes, is able to, is just naturally born with that, whether it be through circumstances. How were you able to transition your mind to understand that, hey, I am actually in charge of this ship versus a lot of people feel like I'm at the mercy of the powers that be? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, like, up until recently, like maybe five years ago, I was wondering when my next check was going to come in. Like, I, a long time ago, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm a producer. I'm a full-time entrepreneur. And at first, everyone's going to look at you like, uh, you know, I remember when I told my parents something like that, they were like, okay, but how are you going to make ends meet? And they were right. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, they didn't know how I was going to do it. It's scary for me and scary for everyone around me as a young kid deciding I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be a producer because it's not what we're trained is the, is the nine to five, the safe thing. Um, it took a lot of years of just doing it before I could really, I could really own it. And it took a lot of years of like, oh, seeing over and over and over, I can make ends meet. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can successfully do a deal. I can successfully make a dope beat. I can successfully make, connect with a new artist, connect with a new person. I can successfully work with a company. I can successfully get a licensing deal. I can successfully work with a major artist. Mm-hmm. All of these memories, and I actually keep a notebook of things I accomplish every day. Mm-hmm. I just call it daily accomplishments. Just so I remember, like, when I'm not feeling, like, that optimistic, like, this is what I've done. And I've done this since, like, 2013, every mm-hmm. day. And so there's discipline in it. Um, you know, we all at some point think we're a victim to the powers that be or a victim to the world. And at some point, like, when, when you start getting success over and over You just have to remind yourself that you're not a victim and you create your life through your intention. Mm -hmm. So when you have a thought of what you want to create and a vision, um, you have to really hold on to that and work every day, meditate, go for walks, whatever it takes to to align with that frequency. That's the way I I look at it. So there's a point where I want to, or you can go ahead. No, I was just going to say, man, there's like a big difference. There's there's just a difference between someone like yourself. I've heard you talk about in your videos, you know, you're up to making six figures a year on your own as a a producer, self-income. There's just a difference in the mindset if you're making six figures first, if you're, if you have zero dollars in the bank, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how people can come in and you 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 could be desperate. You're like, man, if I sign this piece of paper, you mean I get wired thirty thousand dollars right now? Hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> right. Versus you, you're like, I mean, thirty thousand is not going to make or break anything that I got going on in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, like, even just some years ago, that thirty thousand would have changed my life. Yeah. And so I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. And it's it's not easy, but there's been a lot. Like I've been lucky. In a lot of ways, there's been certain events that have happened. Like I was handed a publishing deal maybe five years ago and I was like, oh, dope. Like I didn't know if it was the right deal, but I got a lawyer. I had a lawyer look it over and he said, that's a 360 deal. Mm. And, and for those of you who don't know what a 360 deal is, a 360 deal is when whoever you're signing to is taking income from 360 degrees. Right. Mm. That's a 360 Drums deal. Drums that knock. Give me a piece of that. <laughs> Let me have drums Kids. at knock. Let me YouTube, have the master class. You need a piece of that. YouTube. 
Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, and, and those are deals that, you know, young people are signing. Not so much anymore because of you guys, like mm, things yeah. like this, Producer Grind podcast, different Appreciate educational that. things where producers can come and give what they know. I don't know everything, but I know what I know. Mm. And um, mm, we, have, like we have access mm. to this. We have access to this information. This is a conversation. So when someone's on this podcast and I watch it, I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm. I never thought of it that way. And when someone watches this, hopefully they have some, a new piece that they can apply. Um, so like when that 30 K deal goes, comes by, make sure you get a lawyer to look it over. It might mm. be perfect for you. Mm. You might have to just get some things changed. Mm. So everyone watching this, if you, if you're serious about making a career in music, no matter where you are financially, make sure that you get a lawyer by your side. That's going to be your number one member of your team. Mm. Cause when you get a contract and you sign it without having a lawyer, look it over, you are stupid. Don't do it. Mm. I mean, it's literally like signing something. If it was written, it might as well be written in Spanish. Right. Like nice. it's a completely different language. Yeah. Nice. Right. There was, um, there's something I wanted to touch on. You said, I, and then taking it back, you said there was a point where I approached my mom and my parents where I said, I am a producer. I mm. am an entrepreneur. Talk to me about that transition from lead that leads up to that point where you're saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Um, so in the early days, I was not, even though I said I wasn't producing entrepreneur, I didn't have that confidence. Like mm. I didn't know. I was just like, I'm going to try because I like this. And I think that when I say that to my parents who love me, they're thinking like, well, can he do it? Like, what does that mean? Like, is he just deluding himself? Like what's going on? Um, and so, um, until I started making it work, that's when people around me started seeing, oh, okay, he can do it. And it's perfect. Um, I think like nowadays you have guys like Gary Vee who, who speak and, and inspire people to become entrepreneurs. I think that's amazing. Um, I, I think that it's a leap of faith. Mm. Like if you feel it in you that that's what you want to do, I think you should explore it no matter what anyone mm. says. Don't let people outside you tell you who you are. You have to, you have to decide who you are. And I know that's a process. That's just growing up. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I want to add. I want to add something on that. Like, it's kind of like a false message to. Well, not, I'm not saying this for you. Like, mainly a lot of people say this. They say like, "Yo, just quit your job." You know, what I'm saying if this is what you want to do, just put your mind to it. But it's kind of like some people don't have. Some people don't have the 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 situation you had. Like you, you live with your parents. Maybe some people want to. They want to like be grown and have their own situation, but be a producer. Like. Some people don't have the room, you know, so right. you, you have to get a job and, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be able to make ends meet to be that certain person, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, I, I get that 100%. Like, back in 20, I gave up music in 2009. And um, I it basically, like, it was just a calling. Like, yeah. I, I was, you know, exploring, like, spirituality and, and just the mind and, and things like that. And I actually ended up in Section 8. Like I had mm. no money. So I was at the bottom of the bottom in that moment. Like I, I remember my rent was free for like six months because I, because I was on section eight yeah. and, um, and I didn't go to my parents for help. Um, I think everybody was, I, I think I had a lot of support. I remember one day, one of my clients, um, I asked them for $30 so I could get food through mm. PayPal. And I didn't have anything going. Like I, I was just getting back into beats at that time. I knew I needed to work. Um, and so I did it 
maybe the hard way. Like I probably could have got a job. I tried DJing for a bit at like a nightclub yeah. and that wasn't it. Um, but I found that um, I just, I was, I knew I had a good mind state, I think right. even through all that. And I decided that I was going to produce. Right. And so I teamed up with another producer and I remember like we made like a thousand dollars getting a placement yeah. on, um, with this uh, licensing company. And we were like, we made a G today. <laughs> it was amazing. And I think we had to split it too. Um, but it's over and over, just getting those little wins just showed me that I could do it. Right. And, uh, and then like we, I remember we got, um, yeah, we, we, like there was one month that we worked with an artist and he basically paid us a month's worth of pay. It was like $3,000 yeah. to, um, to work with him. And that's, and now that I think about that, I'm like 3K, I, you know, that's a little bit of money. It's, it's so little, but at that time it was huge. And it was showing me that again, I can do this. I just need to stay focused. Mm. Yeah. And even up past that, it was like, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, but you just continue going and it just. But, but what, you know, what made you understand the fact that when you're in that financial box, when you're literally going check to check, you don't know what's next. What gave you that next step of understanding, like, I'm a producer. I'm not just making beats. I'm a business, you know, and businesses cost to run. Businesses, you have to invest into a business. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to work on a business every day. And what, when did you get into that point? Like, I'm not just waiting for it. That's not how it goes. You know, right. like a lot of producers every day DM me and they just, like, ask me about side hustles, ask me about just money things, you know, and I'm trying to tell them, as a producer, you're not just here for beats if you want to be as a producer you're a whole entity you know right. like you're not just right. sitting here waiting for a sale like you need to you need to have a plan and actually you know what i'm saying know how the money comes out of it you know what i'm saying and i i think that like it took me a while to get to that point too because i when you're in when you're in the the difficult moment where you're mm -hmm. trying to make ends meet the reality is you just need that next check. That's the reality. So you're going to work with that artist you don't really want to work with. You're going to sell that beat to that person you didn't really want to sell it to. You're going to sell that beat for less than you wanted to sell it for. You're going to scam people. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I can say I didn't do. No, um, Drake plays me too. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's really an evolution, man. Like, I found that the more success you get, the more serious you take it. Like the more I'm like, I really want to do this right. I want to do mm. it the right way. I want to learn more. I want to be better. And, you know, I guess for some people they get success and they get like, oh, whatever. That wasn't for me. For me, the more accomplishments I get, the more I, I get uncomfortable because I want to do better. Mm, and it makes right. me think I don't want to like sit still. I want to expand. I want to do better. Right. So you always have to think, how can I improve? How can I improve my business knowledge? How can I improve my production? You know, I'm watching YouTube all the time. I'm trying yeah. to learn. I'm, I'm always learning. I'm learning from, I don't care if you're 17. Like, um, you know, like I, I, you guys interviewed this kid and, and I was just like, I, I want to listen to what he's saying. KBZ. Yeah. And I was just like, what is he Big doing? B's. Shout out to KBZ. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to KBZ. And, and like, it, it's amazing. I'm always learning from everybody. Um, and, and I think that that's what I'm always going to do forever. Like I'm always going to keep learning. Yeah. yeah I mean, mm -hmm. everyone knows something exactly. that you don't know and you know something yeah. that no one else knows. So. It, mm -hmm. It's interesting because we've interviewed a couple of producers that have got a, some big accolades and we ask them like, oh man, how often do you, do you ever go back and watch tutorials and like watch tutorials? <laughs> 
Yeah. And then people lit us up Come in the on. comment, like, what are you asking him? He's a legend. What are you asking him if you ask this tutorial for? I didn't realize there was a point where you don't need to learn no more. No, right. I still watch beginner tutorials. Like, right. I'm, I know Ableton like, like it's myself. And mm-hmm. I still watch beginner right. tutorials because they might do a key command. And I'll be like, you can do that? Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. There's so much information out here. Like, you only know a speck of information. You can't just sit there and just think you know it all. Even if you right. got a million dollars in your bank account, like, there's always someone we, that we got a hundred million. Every day. We, yeah. Yeah. we call each other. We be like, bro, did you know you can do that? Like, it, crazy. If, if you have a million dollars in your bank account, there's someone that's going to be like, oh my God, you have a million dollars. And there's someone that's going to be like, you only have a million dollars. Right, 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 right. Even so, if you got a billion, it's just like, okay. the same thing. I'm sure you had to turn into a truly. Yeah, right. One and, of the, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things I really want people to take from the things you're saying is, yeah, you know, you can be at a point where, you, you you know, you need that next check. You need any dollar you can get. But at the same time, it's like, bro, this is not a get rich quick. It can be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can get lucky. You can win the lottery in any business, in anything in life. You know what I mean? You can walk outside right now and find a $1,000 that some maybe might have blew out of someone's pocket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's real, though. But it's yeah. like, well, are, are you going to bank on that? You know what I mean? You're going to quit your job because you're like, bro, I'm about to quit my job. I'm just going to walk all over Atlanta. I'm going to find a 1000 on the ground. Every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nah, but yeah. what I what I really like, what you did is, it seems like you just planted seeds. Like, you're like, okay, let me put some on Spotify. Let me send some beats to some artists. Mm-hmm. Let me try mm-hmm. to put some, some uh, kits up for sale. Let me put some tutorials up. Just planting little seeds and just watering them. Absolutely. And and if you plant seeds, you can just see how it does, see if people like it, see how it's part of your like bigger plan. If you have mm-hmm. one, like create a bigger plan and, and see how they all fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when you just like, I want everybody who's watching this to just close your eyes and think about what you want. Have that vision in your head. Ha- even if it's just like an image of you, whatever, think about that and just hold that and put it out there that that's what you want. See what happens. See what happens today. Pay attention to the things that happen. See if things line up to get you closer to that. And every time something comes, see how that might be getting you there. That's mm-hmm. what I do. Like I think about what I want in the future, and I just watch how the universe comes together to to um, to bring me closer to that. And for me, I'm at a point where I want to build up my name as a producer, but really. My goal is to help other producers and build a community of successful producers. Mm. Like, and that's, I think, why I'm here with you guys today. I think I'm going to start meeting more and more people who want to help to empower producers and mm. bring, bring the community into a better place. Fire. I feel like it's better if you can have a mind state to add value everywhere you go, to, mm-hmm. to give value to, to everyone you meet. So, okay, here's another exercise you can do. Where you are right now, think about how you can add value to your surrounding. Mm -hmm. Anytime you enter a room, anytime you do anything with other people or or whatever, any situation, life is just situations. Think about how you can add value to that situation. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, things are going to reflect to you differently. Thanks. That's how that's how I I look at it. And that was a breakthrough I had when I got back into producing Mm -hmm. for the second time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like um Y'all know when y'all go camping, like the Smokey the Bear guy, and he says, just, you always leave it better than when you came. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just always leave every situation better than you came. And then one point I wanted to um, make sure everyone, like, incorporates it along with the visualizing it. But I heard this quote where it says, anything, the only, if, it's, if, you get, if something gets measured, it, whatever gets measured gets improved. 
So not only just sitting down and visualizing it, but really actually writing it down and put it, making it real. Mm, when, yes. It's only a, a thought. It's only an imagination. It's all floating until you can put it on pen and paper. And mm. if you can't hand it to somebody and say, look, this is the, this is my vision for the rest of my life. If they can't see that, then it's not clear mm, enough for thanks. you. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. And and one thing I struggled with in the beginning was I didn't really know exactly what I wanted. Right. But the best thing is somewhere inside everybody right now, you have an idea right. of what you want, like a rough idea. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be exact, but start writing it, start thinking about it, and it will start to shape. And all of a sudden you'll get more and more clear. Something right. will happen. And I feel like the universe, like circumstances interact with you. So like you say you want this thing in your mind, you write it down. And all of a sudden tomorrow, it might be a little different. So rewrite it, mm -hmm. change it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be exact, but I remember my, one thing my dad always told me is, Nick, just put a stake in the ground and, and um, declare what you want. Mm -hmm. And because I think I was just kind of going with the flow too much. Mm -hmm. And that was something life-changing for me. Mm -hmm. so. I just heard this other thing too, where it's talking about like, like how you said working with um, whatever the powers are. It says this dude was like, you don't sit at the bottom of a hill and then just pray to God that you get to the top of the hill. You, you got to take, take action and go up and you might fall down, you right. might slip, but you actually have to work. You're not just going to pray and then just absolutely the top of the hill. Hell yeah. Absolutely. You got to pray and then act. Thanks. Are you like a business book kind of guy at all? Or? Yeah. I, I haven't been reading as much lately just because YouTube is amazing, <laughs> but I definitely like business books for sure. Mm. What about you guys? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like, I like, I like books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, oh my yeah, dad, dad is But the weird thing is Legend. that like a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people should read that book and it'll save a lot of problems, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, can't get, problems, you can't get don't more wanna, problems. People don't want to read it though. Right. But. Yeah. And if you hate reading, he's got a YouTube channel too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Rich, mm. The Rich Dad channel. Damn. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Just, just consume that high level kind of business marketing thought-provoking thought type of content, whatever, whether it's written, audio, video, right. whatever. Absolutely. But then not only that, too, it's just like, when you're reading the book, you're literally getting to absorb what this person that you would have a slim chance of ever encountering yeah. in your life. You literally Ooh. get to sit down and, like, have a conversation with them. So they're yeah. going to teach you things that are going to expand your perspective on life that you would never have been exposed to without reading it. Yeah. I've yeah. heard someone say, like, I couldn't afford for this person to mentor me, but me reading their book is like I get a little piece of their Come mentorship. On, man. You get to chill thing. with them. Yeah. Chilling with them through the Absolutely. book. If yeah. If y'all think we kind of corny for reading books and shit, and, <laughs> Drop a and writing. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all think we corny for reading books and writing shit down, you can use your phone. Like that's what helped me. Like mm. the past few years, like a lot of this knowledge I, I would hear from other people, you know, like people doing a podcast and I and I'll just I wouldn't be able to physically just, yo, let me get a journal. Let me pick up a book, but you, we use our phones every day. We're looking at all these famous people every day. Like this is a tool, you know. Like this should be making you income. If you spend a thousand on this phone, you should be able to make make a thousand or something, you yeah. know. So right. it's not corny. You could just use your notes, write down these things that you want to do in your notes, read PDFs. I don't write anything on paper. I I have really? notes and just put in my phone. Oh, see, mm -hmm. yep, I agree with you, hundred percent. I don't own a notebook anymore. Everything's on my phone. Mm -hmm. okay. I like both. Like both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like I, just both. I be like doing both now. Notebooks. I be doing both now. Now that I take it serious. Yeah, I like both. But it's like, that's why it's like, it's, it's not too much of an excuse. Like the information right. is in your hand. Yeah. 
every day, all days in your hand. All right. So. And and if you don't like reading or you won't make time for reading, you have audiobooks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. YouTube, all that. So it's like you can go watch comedy videos on YouTube. Or it, <laughs> it, it, that's it, cool it, too. It's how bad, but it's really, it's like how bad do you want it? Like, you know, people, the same people that might be DMing saying, bro, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's like, bro, just, just go search some shit on YouTube and Google. Like eventually you're going to start connecting, making connections in your head and shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's true what you say. Like if, if you just focus on the thing that you want and just do things like... If you're watching this podcast right now, you're doing the right thing. If right. you're a producer that wants to make it, because that's what mm. that's what's happening Thanks. here. Like mm. these Thanks. are that you have this help. You have this right. podcast, and this repeat this. This will help you. Yeah, mm. but it's not just watching. It's, it's not. Just, it's taking yeah, yeah, yeah. this right. and take, then take doing it. Expanding right. upon it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But so, it is a step. Yeah. It if is you a step. if you have been sure. not going with your goals and you're watching this, you're one step in the better place. Right, right. And then what you said, take action. But right. also appreciate when you're taking a step. Don't beat yeah. yourself up. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, I want to get some gems from you on seeking uh, sync placements. I, we've talked about it a couple of times. It came up in this podcast. I've seen you talk about it in videos. Could you give us a little maybe tutorial for the guys at home on how to get into that and how to yeah. Um, so when I look at the sync stuff I've done, like I've, I've done, um, before drums at knock and everything, I was doing a lot of sync stuff because it was paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my stuff on like all the major TV stations, like got my tracks placed in there. All I did was, um, you know, like everything else is about relationships. I knew somebody who had a connection with a sync licensing company and I said, Hey, could you do an intro? And I sent them tracks and they were like, these work. Can you also give me some stuff like this? And it, and it just worked. Um, I would say just start looking up sync licensing companies. Literally go on Google and type in sync, S-Y-N-C licensing company. And just take notes of what you see. When you see one that kind of you vibe with, write them an email. Say who you are. Be professional. Um, and just say, like, I'm interested in and I have tracks and I'm interested in sync licensing. Just think about your wording and, and just let them know exactly what you want to do. Um, maybe even send a couple demos of your tracks and, uh, and then just wait for a response and then start a conversation. Mm. Um, if you know someone getting sync placements, just start a conversation with them. Um, ask about their experience, who they work with, maybe ask for them to refer you and, uh, it's all about just making the connections. If you want to do it, it starts with the thought, starts with the vision. Next is the action. Mm-hmm. Make the connection. Look it up. Hit them up directly. Mm-hmm. The relationship that you had with the person that had a, uh, that newest sync placement company, how close were you to them and how did you link up with them? Not close at all. Like it was my, a, a co-producer I was working with. It was his relationship. And, friend of a friend. Kind and of. like we got placements together with that sync company through his relationship. So it wasn't even my direct relationship. It was just like, okay, well, here's another thing I want to talk about. When an opportunity comes or possibility, seize the moment. Like in that moment, when I knew that this person was looking for sync licensing, I knew that I had tracks with the other person that had the connection. So that was an opportunity. So I sent the tracks. So anytime you, and if you, have that vision in your head of what you want, soon come will be an opportunity. Mm. It just will come. Mm-hmm. And you just have to take advantage. If you don't mm-hmm. take advantage of the opportunity, you're telling the universe that's not the direction. And the universe will try to work with you with your vision. 
to make that opportunity or you're happen. Telling it's not good enough, mm. possibly. And you can, and if you know it's not good enough, tell the universe that's not it. I want it more like this, and just hold that thought in your mind, and then see what comes your way. And you have to take action. Mm. That's the way I see it, at least. Mm. Do you guys agree with that? No, I definitely. Yeah, somewhat, somewhat. I I can definitely recall like passing up opportunities and shit. Definitely. Definitely. What you mean? Like, just certain people I'm supposed to work with and shit like that. Like, certain producers, like, oh, let's collab, bro. Like, endless amount of people, like, that I'd never worked with. You know what I'm saying? And then what? You lost placements because you. Yeah, hell yeah. Definitely. I know, like, my bad. Big example is Oreo, like, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's golden Oreos. Right. Yeah, yeah, you shit's fire. But um, biggest example is like, I'm not gonna say no names, but there's a lot of producers on the radio right now. I know. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of producers on the radio. What are some reasons that you slept on the opportunity to work with them? They were if they were reaching out, like, yo, let's work. I mean, just like just living life every day. I see people blow up every day. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying, what are the reasons like you didn't end up working with them? Because that's what you're saying. That w- because it just like the person, the person you may not feel like, and I'm not saying that I'm regretting, regretting. I'm just saying that one day somebody could be, somebody could be like, "Hey, bro, like let's cook up, bro." Somebody could be like, "Yo, pull up, let's cook up." You know what I'm saying? And right, now nah, I'm busy today. I, I want to go to Top Golf. You know what I'm saying? Six months later, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just got a placement with someone, so you know what I'm saying? Uh, a year later, uh, I live in L.A., bro. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, we still cool. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that shit, endless amount of like time. Like, you missed the plenty opportunity of, yeah, right like, there. It's plenty of times, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I mean, I, I think everyone has that same story. Like, I, for me, I've missed so many opportunities in my life. Like, mm-hmm. so many. And, I, and sometimes you can't see it in the moment. You Just looking back, you can see it. But every time that happens, you learn something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's don't underestimate that kid who's <laughs> on his yeah. grind. And so I think that there, you can't lose. If you're in it for the long, long term and you have a good attitude, you can't lose. Like you can miss all the opportunities, but Facts. But then there's another you know moment the opportunity will come back. And, and the next time it comes, take it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't agree. think there's any loss in this game. I, I think it's just like just recognize when it comes back around. I definitely hear a lot of producers, they they do be regretting shit. Like, oh my yeah. God, bro, like, now he's with so-and-so, oh my God, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, you can create something new every day, you know totally. what I'm saying? It's like, any t- anytime, like, any day, every day is a new day. <laughs> you can just wake up, you can just be, wherever you are right now, just know this is a new moment, and mm. I'm going to create what I want from here on out. Even if mm. you haven't been, you can decide again right now. Mm. Everyone watching. <laughs> Facts. Let's uh, let's talk about some of your placements. Um, what are some of the placements you've gotten, and how have they came about? So, um, my most recent placement was with the baby. Um, it was this track, Power, and how that came about was I was just collabing with a producer friend of mine. Um, his name's Avidon. Mm-hmm. Really, really dope producer, killing it right now. Um, he works with like Scott Storch. Okay, where? Um, and we were just literally just in the studio making tracks, and um, we did a record, just a beat. And um, he sent it to an artist he was working with, uh, Doobie. And um, so we got the placement with Doobie. And then um, a couple months later, uh, Avidon hit me. He's like, yo, the baby's jumping on the remix. So I was like, okay, cool. Mm. So now I have a placement with the baby. Mm. And um, 
I've, I've done, I did two records on Joyner Lucas's album. I did uh, the first track, Ultrasound, and the last track, um, One Lonely Night. Mm. Um, I got placements with, you know, Talib Kweli and uh, all kinds of artists. And Drums and Knock has been amazing because everybody's using it now. Mm. Like mm. every time I go on Spotify, I'm hearing my drums and my sounds. Mm. So um, my stuff is everywhere now. It's crazy. One thing I wanted to mention was like, I, I felt like you were a pretty good example or a template or blueprint for producers to follow because I saw on your channel, like your channel started off like how most producers were just showcasing their beats or any songs that they have, like a, just a still image in the MP3 file. Right. But then about a year ago, you decided to start hopping in front of the camera and then you started doing your own behind the beat videos. So I wanted to elaborate on that. Like, um, what was that transition like or what moment clicked where you were like, you know what, I can't wait for a genius or I can't wait for any large platform to give me, to see my value. I'm just going to do it myself and create my own behind the beat. Great question. Um, you know, I just realized I have access to YouTube. I have access, access. to, <laughs> I have access to all these tools. <laughs> and um, why would I wait for someone to put me on when I am my own brand and mm -hmm. I control everything? Mm -hmm. I, I put it out there. It's mm -hmm. me. I don't need someone to co-sign me. This mm -hmm. is me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if it, um, regardless of what happens, that's how I approach everything and how I will always approach everything. It's never any outside company, artist, entity that makes me who I am. I am me. And everyone is just you. Everyone is, everyone is, is who they are. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you approach, and this is just my model and the way that I think, um, it's not something I've heard anyone say. It's just what I know to be true. Um, if everything I do comes from me, then I control everything. So why, why would I wait for genius to hit me up? Not that I'd say no to genius because I respect that platform. It's dope, mm -hmm. but I'm not waiting for anyone to hit me up because I control it. Mm -hmm. I control everything. And I think that that's just the best way to go about it. That's the best way I've found because I'm now I'm not seeking outside of me before I make it. I've already made it mm. because I'm me. Definitely. I made it into this world. So I'm here breathing, living. So here I am. Mm. And I heard you talk about in your interview that you, um, one of your interviews from like four years ago, that you were actually working with Jordan Lucas before he blew up and stuff. How did you guys link up? Um, so, so how we linked up was a couple things. Um, his engineer actually reached out to me on Instagram. And um, I didn't even really think I wanted to work with Joyner or anything. I was just, I knew Joyner was dope, but I wasn't, I didn't really have it, you know, secure in my mind. Like I want to work with him. But because I met the engineer, I built a relationship with him. He was like, yo, you and Joyner should do something. And I was like, all right, cool. And, um, and then uh, basically through that connection, I just, all of a sudden I was at Joyner's house playing him beats and it just happened. And all of a sudden we have two records together on this album. Mm. So it was just very organic. Almost everything I've ever done has been really organic. It's not, and I bet if I was more the kind of person reaching out in DMs and, and hitting people up, like more things would be happening. But right. a lot of times things just come to me, you know? Um, I, I, I do reach out sometimes. Like, like, for example, I told you, yo, I'm a fan of the podcast. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, yo, can I be on the podcast? Yeah. Like, it was very organic. I was just like, I'm a fan. And a lot of times just express yourself and, mm -hmm. and things, things just happen. Mm. It's like, I kind of hear it. It's like, you have good habits. You have good habits and you're planting seeds without even 
You know what I'm saying? You don't right. have to think about it too hard. It's just like, I just did that shit. Like, he, I see him do, like, more than anybody ever, I see him do it. Wow. Like, shit would just come up good. Mm-hmm. Shit's going to come up good because he did something good a while back. You know what I'm saying? Right. I see him do it a lot. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right about that. I think it's good habits and, and just loving what you do. And, mm-hmm. and we all love what we do, so good things come of that. I feel like when you do what you do out of love, um, it always inspires good things to happen. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And let's not sleep on that relationship with engineer advice that you just kind of dropped. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of situations have been happening, have always happened through relationships and engineers work with artists. So if you connect with an engineer, of course mm-hmm. you're going to connect with artists. And I think that is a big thing for placements. Um, Placements and the way that I put placements, I think it's important. I think it's it's a big thing because you're expanding who you're working with, mm-hmm. and you have more opportunity to work with bigger artists and and get your stuff out there. But again, it, it really is about your personal your personal brand, mm-hmm. and I think that when you when you build everything around your personal brand, um, everything everything radiates out from that. Mm. What is your background in like? Cause I look at drums that knock. I look at the animations. I look at everything, and it all makes sense. Were you? Did you come from like a, a I don't like a, like a marketing background? Did your pops run something? <laughs> like, like really? Because it's not a skill that everyone can like. Yeah, no, no. Um, but I remember like part of it was my parents. Um, I really, I just I always liked getting paid since I was a kid. And I, I remember like when I was in eighth grade, everyone knew me cause I always would sell like at the time I did sell like burnt CDs. Like mm. when an album would come out, I'd burn it and sell it. So you were scamming. I, was, <laughs> I, I just remembered that. I was like, no, I do. I did do that. Be fucking with yeah. you. So, and like, for example, like, we got them. <laughs> so, so, um, I remember like I would buy like a box of snicker bars. It would be like 20 bucks or, or less than, I, it would be like five bucks or something. I don't remember how much it was, but I'd make money on it by selling the Snicker bars to like my classmates. Mm-hmm. So I always would think about ways to make money. And, yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I was always just, it was in me because I used to want video games when I was a kid. Like I wanted to, I remember I had Nintendo and like the games were like nine ninety nine, some of the cheap games, and I used to want them. And so I figured out how I could sell things or how I could figure out how to make money. So it was always like a part of what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't have YouTube back then. And it was just something I figured out. And I, so I don't have any marketing background, but I did start reading business books back like around the time I started when I really wanted to figure this thing out. Mm. So I would just learn. Mm. So, but I've I've been a producer since I was 13. Yeah, I think that's one of the yeah. biggest things that everyone could take away is just that constant mentality of, I just want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn. Yeah. And like, as you expand your mind, you open your eyes to seeing opportunities. Like, you never read a book about, like how you said, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. You could be in like a freaking donut shop sitting right next to the author. Right. And you would have no idea. But since you read it and you're now aware of it, you could be like, you could see the opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was a little kid, my mom used to always tell me, I was so curious. Like I always ask questions, but why is that like that? But why, but Mm -hmm. why, but why? And, you know, I was just always very curious and I always wanted to know why. Mm -hmm. And so any, like even now, like anytime someone says something to me and I don't understand, 
I'll either ask why or I'll take out my phone and Google it and right. try to learn. And I think so, like that kind of erodes as you get older, people stop questioning or the, that curiosity gets, mm-hmm. gets beaten up. Like, right. And so people, if you don't nurture it, it's going to fade away and you're going to just start beginning to accept things for where they are. Right. Mm. Now stay curious. <laughs> stay curious, yeah. my friends. Uh, so we saw you were at NAM this year. Is that your first time at NAM? No, I've been there like three or four times now. Okay, yeah. yeah. I've always wanted to go, man. Um, we've always had people ask, like, you going to NAM? You going to NAM? I what is like NAM? It's like basically like, C, you know, CES, like mm-hmm. the big electronics um, showcase. Like, it's oh, like, this is for like all like native instruments? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, okay. Like okay. all the companies, like yeah. they show the new software, new hardware. Got and, you. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things. It's always like, what, the first or second week in January? Yeah, it was, I think, yeah, it was like the second, third week, yeah. yeah. It always like creeps up and it's like, oh, right there. And it's like, oh, now I'm seeing it on Instagram. It's like, damn, I forgot. Yeah. Forgot. NAM is dope. It's, um, what I like most about it is you just get to hang out with producers. Like people <laughs> you know. Just a bunch of nerds, man. Totally. We just nerd just out. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Like, and you just see people you, you don't see all the time. And mm. you might just, I saw Stevie Wonder walking by with like his crew and everything. Um, you would do. Yeah. What? That man could see, man. Yeah, that was last year. Yeah. <laughs> that man, He's been capping? I don't know, man. This is cute, man. Yeah. We'll see yeah. about that. <laughs> so I, I just, and I love- that, That's a legend right there, though. Yeah, I just love gear. And, and it's just dope. I mean, it's dope for like, just connecting with people at these companies too. It's, it's fire. Mm. Mm. What, are, what are like some, some dope things that you saw this year? Um... I don't know. I, I saw a lot of stuff. Nothing was like, I need to buy that. But mm. I liked Luna, the UA, the new UA DAW. UAD? UAD? Yeah, UAD has a new DAW. Yeah, I heard Luna. about that. But you need like to buy their need hardware or something like that. Um, I thought that looked cool. SSL just put out like a new like portable interface. I didn't like hear it or anything, but it looked cool. Uh, SSL. Mm. Yeah. Did they say what the price point on that was? I think SSL? like 279 or something. That's, That's not bad. Yeah. I just, I, even if I don't want to buy the gear, I just like looking at it. Like looking at yeah. it, right, yeah. That joint weak. Why? <laughs> it, look, it looks yeah. like a big knife. Yeah, no Let me see. Or like yeah. a, um, a, a studio monitor. It's, it's acceptable. It's acceptable. But that's SSL. Yeah. That shit probably sounds good as hell. Hell yeah. Yeah. It looks like an SSL. Yeah. No, he says it's fire. He said it's fire. So that's it. Nothing else that, nothing else stuck out of there? Oh man, I don't even know, honestly. Um, we think. Yeah, nothing's coming to my mind. So Yeah. You did probably more networking? It was more about the networking and just like meeting with people. What like, what's some advice you can give to producers who want to go to NAM next year and network like? Hmm. Or anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. I mean, just anywhere. networking in general. Um, just know it's a big part of like having a career in music, like just be open to meeting people mm. and not trying to get something. Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of people DMing me like, yo, listen to my beat, do this, do that. I don't have time to listen to everyone's beat that DMs me. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is just have a conversation, just be a friend, like just, just be cool. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think networking isn't about getting, it's just about meeting new friends, mm-hmm. meeting new people. Mm-hmm. What about That's like, well, okay, because I'm imagining someone at home being like, yeah, I would love to network, but I don't want to go to these places that are like 
suit and tie or whatever it is they feel like they have a concept where, where, i've where never been to a, no i'm just saying like <laughs> anything that they could think like whether they they're producing or maybe they want to mm-hmm. begin networking in someone like real estate or whatever oh, it yeah, is yeah. they right. may have a perception of like i want to go here but i feel like i don't belong to this group or i feel like an outcast like do you have any advice for them of what events to search for what yeah. things to keep in mind the only time i put on a suit and tie is at a wedding or a funeral <laughs> i mean like I dress how I dress whenever I do whatever. And networking, it's it's not about necessarily even going to an event where everyone's standing in circles. I don't like doing that. Right. That's ne- what I mean. Yeah. Right? yeah. Networking is like when someone DMs you, like saying hi, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just talking to people. What are you up to? Mm-hmm. Um, just asking about someone's day. Right. Um, just think about how you are with your friend. Like that's networking. Mm-hmm. Like just talking to people and connecting talking about what you're doing, ask them about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think networking is about being interested in the person that you're talking to. Like, you're what nice. do you have going on? Thanks. Yeah. Because, because oh, go ahead. oh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, because when people think about these words like networking, mm-hmm. marketing, mm-hmm. business, it's like, uh, 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 textbook, textbook. But when you really sit down and think about it, it's like, like for your uh, drums at knock, you really had like a cartoon. It's not right. what you may think it is or like this preconceived notion that you may have. Right. I mean, I just like cartoons. And I was like, why not make a cartoon my brand? Like, and that's what? considered marketing. Yeah. And, yeah. and and you know, it's something, I think a lot of people have an idea that you have to, like, appear a certain way. Like, I, I'm now a label and I have to be all professional. And mm-hmm. I don't think so, man. I think just kind of, like, just be yourself. If you're interested in cartoons make your ad a cartoon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And like, I always, like when I did drums at knock, I just wanted it to look like something that inspired me. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted it to be playful. Like mm-hmm. the brand has a real playful image. All the other kits are very serious. There's like a box and it, it says the title on the box. And I don't think you have to, I think that's cool mm-hmm. if that works, but why not do something a little different? It's not even about making it a cartoon or not. It's about just, Thinking about who you are and making your kit or whatever, right. or your beat or your marketing or whatever, just different. Right. I think that being different is always a good thing because it actually helps you stand out right. if you're good at what you do. So always think about how I can do something a little different than everything out there. Because if your stuff is very similar to everything out there, it's just the same shit over and over mm-hmm. so that's like one of the drum kits that we released the chicken sandwich drum kit we had just we had this drum kit right. that we were working on and then when the chicken sandwich craze came about we were like yo that would be funny it yeah exactly it's it's one of the best it was like it does it performs really well so it's because no one had the chicken sandwich drum kit you guys invented the chicken sandwich drum kit i want the chicken sandwich drum kit so we'll load, we'll load you it sounds so head ass at first bro then but it's like well i know it's gonna want that's the same thing like you know i don't fit in that crowd bro you might have to get a little lame to get some money <laughs> I don't know I mean to say to your point and to your point because I was just at a it's crazy you said real estate I was literally at a real estate event this morning right mm-hmm. but I went exactly how you see me sweatpants sweat mm-hmm. sweatshirt you know what I mean there were people there with suit and ties there were guys in there in like jeans and you know like sports a, blazers or a sports not even I'm talking about just jeans and like a hoodie right? you know what I mean right. like mm-hmm. a real estate but those guys might be millionaires because they're builders they're home builders and right. shit like Facts. that and, but I but think they're thinking like, you're a billionaire because you're dressed like right, that. Right, right. <laughs> like, but I mean, people like, are like, I'm having company. conversations. No one's like looking at me weird. You know, there were people there that were kind of, you know, similarly dressed. I feel like you shouldn't try to 
make people perceive you than what you are because right. like you want people to you want people you want to be able to meet people and work with people that accept you for who you are right. and it's like now every time I every time I go see this person or talk to this person I gotta go dress up and I right. can't just be myself you, know? right. you want people that are like man yeah man, let's, let's talk business let's, let's see what you, what you got to offer what, where we can mm, exactly. connect, connect dots exactly. and stuff like that Facts. absolutely be fast super fast <laughs> I don't know, maybe. That was too many gems. Maybe a little bit. I agree. Right? <laughs> um, I want to, man, I, I definitely, I feel like we didn't spend too much time on sound design, man. And uh, <laughs> Let's go there. We we, we got we to gotta ask you a few more things. I want to go back to the even the field recorder thing, because I wanted to ask you, like, if I was to go buy a field recorder today, what should I start recording? Mm. Um, You know, I all my early sounds were recorded on the H5. Like, my early, like, percussion loops. Yeah, the Zoom H5. Yeah. And, um, I mean... Zoom H5s are great. Like it, what's amazing about it is you can take it anywhere. It's um it's rechargeable. I think it's rechargeable. Um and it sounds pretty good. Mm. I wouldn't record vocals on it, but just for like certain foley type stuff, it's great. Um I don't really use it much anymore. Mm-hmm. Cuz when I record stuff, it's usually in the studio and it's usually just mm. on my on my regular mics, but mm. Um, but the H5 is amazing if you want to record stuff portably. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just use their phone too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if if you want to get a sound, I was just watching um, a video on YouTube with um, what's his name, Billy Eilish's older brother, the Phineas. Producer, Phineas. Yeah, yeah. I was watching a video of Phineas where he was in Australia, and um, he was with Billy, and they recorded like um, you know when you hit the button for a crosswalk, mm-hmm. like there was like this sound, and I think Billy was like. Yo, that sounds like something. Mm. And that ended up being the hi-hat loop for bad guy. Wow. Mm. And I was like, what? That's crazy. And so I was just, mm. it just put me in that mind state again in that moment. Like, what can I use around me? Like, like that computer right there, that fan. Like, what if I added some processing to that, mm. gave it some top end? That could be a sweep or something. Mm. Get Kyle Stenberger in here to tell you what pitch it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, for real, we had this guy, Kyle Stenberger, yep. on the podcast. He literally, like, he can he told us what the pitch the fan was. Like yeah, he can he can hear anything and train with the bike. He's like, yeah, it's going by. I like can't B-sharp. do that. That's an F sharp or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, some people have perfect pitch. I'm, I wish. Yeah, I that's did, what but. it is. Yeah, that's what I forgot what it was called. That's what he said it was. But yo, speaking of Billy Eilish and Phineas, though, they just went crazy at the Grammys. Oh my god, they just like, went like five each. Like so, five each. and yo, it's Inspiring. crazy because they're a brother and a sister. I think they're nineteen. She's nineteen. He's twenty-two, and they literally they just recorded this album that won five Grammys in their bedroom. And you know he uses shit like Omnisphere. He said Omnisphere is his favorite plugin. Just okay, recording, got to bro. sit up in the crib and shit. Yeah, they said, "Yo, they came up on stage. They're like, yo, we literally made this album in our bedroom. We weren't expecting to win any Grammys. They're like, I don't even know what to say. I didn't even think we were about to win. Like, mm, it's crazy. Wild. Yeah. He uses like Logic and yeah. UAD rack. And I was watching the video <laughs> of, of them showing that. It's wild. Mm. Obviously, they got like a pro mixer and stuff to mix it and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I saw a video of someone reading off the credits and be like, hmm, they recorded that in their bedroom? Well, this famous mix engineer is a part of it and, mm. and all this, but... That makes a difference. Yeah. It does make a difference. <laughs> but with that said, it just goes to show, like, you don't need, like, a million-dollar studio to make right, a, right. to win right. five Grammys. You don't got to go right, book right. patchwork or right. anything like that every time. You just want to go record right. Hell yeah, because, I mean, shit, you just get a chaotic eyeball and a mic, you know what I mean? A, that's a yeah. whole other conversation. Like, you can go to a studio and pay 75 an hour, or you can go to somebody's crib and sound like you sound like you pay one fifty an hour. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. It, it depends on like just the the skills and if and you could watch a YouTube video and learn everything you need to know. Yeah. Right, right. 
But what, one thing that just came to mind, this literally, I was just thinking it when we were talking about field recorders, like you could literally, because I was like, yo, Guitar Center has like a room, a drum room where you go in and it's like closed Dude. off. <laughs> you just go and just start recording, hitting sounds. Cheat code. I swear right. to God. You oh, could walk I never out thought of, like, of that. You could walk out of Guitar junkie? Center with a whole new right. couple whole of drum kits. Some junkies, the bongos, <laughs> a little class, all that Ooh, shit, bro. We can go make That's a really junkie, good idea. We might have to go mess with, we might have to take hey. this out of the podcast, bro. Right. Cut. The Guitar Center drum kit. Yeah, right. Guitar Center kit, hell yeah. Nah, because then they're going to want royalties, man. Nah, it's not instruments the gc trademark we'll yeah. call it like guitar zone drum kit instead of guitar center just take it guitar it's gc zone. yeah just take it the podcast and just do it or the, the center 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 of guitars the center of any 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 sounds on your um off the top that have been like some of the best and creative sounds that you've sampled i know you've sampled like you got like a uh, leaves blowing and like stuff like that like I think you talked about it. Like you, you literally like will go oh, yeah. and record just pe- like ambient sounds and stuff like that mm, too. Mm. One of my favorite sounds was an 808 I made, and I had a Mackie HR 824 speaker, and it blew like it got blown, and it made this like sound. Mm. And so I, I got a sine wave, and I ran it through the speaker and recorded the speaker like flapping, mm. and um, I just layered that. I, I cut the lows on that and I layered like a bass over it. And so like that live recording of the speaker flapping over the 808 was like, Ooh. I think I called it the blown speaker 808. Mm. I think it was in Drums and Knock 5. Mm-hmm. So that was like my favorite, one of my favorite sounds. Mm. And and then like a lot of times, like I noticed people really like sounds where I have creative names. Like I had this one like fat ass kick and it just slapped. I called it the Mayweather kick (laughs) and then I had the SoundCloud kick and it's just a lot of times like if I come up with something I think of a name like it it just kind of represents the sound and it and people resonate with it you remember when um Jimmy Duvall, he had the Monica Lewinsky snare. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Bill Clinton hi-hat. Bill Bill Clinton hi-hat. Yeah, he he was snapping. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But it definitely did fit the vibe of the side, though. I wanted to ask you about a little bit of mixing. Yeah. Um, On your leveling, do you level, like, relatively high um, before you get done with your master? Or do you, like, when you level your sounds, do you have them low? Like, the negative 20, negative 18? So... A lot of people say, like, if you mix it negative six, that's like a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'm, I've been doing it all wrong then because I mix loud. loud. I like I like playing, like, part of my sound and part of how I achieve how I achieve, like, all the engineers will say I'm wrong right now. I'll see it in the comments. Oh, he's wrong for clipping. I like clipping my sounds that I want to clip. I like running them through distortion. Like... I like the sound of the ceiling and when you interact with the ceiling. Mm. Because in your DAW, there's zero decibels at your ceiling. Right. When you start to drive sounds a little beyond the ceiling, you get certain tones. Mm-hmm. And if you play with that, you can start to change the sound of, of, of the clean signal. Mm-hmm. With hip-hop and drums, it's perfect. Crunch. Exactly. Crunch. And so, like, when I design sounds i'm not afraid when when it's like the right time to run it into the ceiling because it gives you like the certain feel that you can only get that way Mm. um that doesn't mean i do everything that way but because one downside of like mixing that way is certain analog plugins are designed to for you to you're supposed to go in at lower levels hell yeah and and so like when i'm doing vocals and things like that i i try to pay attention to the gain staging and how how everything works out but I'm not very careful when I'm mixing about having everything at negative six. For one, one thing that some people don't understand is DAWs, 
can actually go above zero on the channels. So if you're plus seven in, a, in Ableton, you can turn down the master and it won't be clipped at all. Mm. It's, it's a 32-bit, 64-bit float. Um, so that gain staging that, that people are used to doing in analog is not always true in digital. Mm. Like an FL, like the thing to do is always make sure you have some kind of clipper or limiter on the master because then you're hearing how it will actually sound. Mm -hmm. Because if in FL, like if you don't have a limiter or clipper on it, if you drive things into the red, it'll just get louder and louder and it won't, you won't hear it's clipped till you mix it down. Mm. So a lot of people say, why do my mix down sound different? It's because there's nothing on the master to limit it. And um, you know what I mean? Thanks. So, um, so yeah, I just like my mixing approach is artistic. And a lot of people are like, yo, how did you get that mix to slap like that? Right. It's because I don't do it like how an engineer teaches you to do it. Like mm. I do it whatever calls for the moment. Mm. Gain staging is important. You have to hit your plugins right. You have to know how your plugins react to certain signal. Mm -hmm. But it, once you figure that out, one way you can figure it out is um in Ableton, like if you have a, an analog plugin and you want to see how loud to put it in, you can have a utility plugin before and after it and you can play with the level going in and then the level going out. And you can like see what happens when you turn it up or turn it down. What is a utility plugin? I've you, never heard someone say that. It's in Ableton. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like uh, the gain plugin in uh, FL. Is it called gain? They, they balance have, uh, control, balance. Yeah, they have, a, balance. they have like three different ones in FL. Like they show you the levels and shit. Mm -hmm. Like you could put it on any track you want to and it'll just give you a visualizer of the level is hitting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just the, just Like the, literally like, like the DB meter? Yeah, meter. Like as uh -huh. if you had one of the meters on the boards, it would just mm -hmm. be like showing you what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and you're saying having one before the plug-in and then after. Uh, yeah, it's it's so just a gain them. staging plug-in. So in Pro Tools, it's called gain. Mm -hmm. in, in FL, it's called FL balance. And, and Ableton really, it's fruity. It's a few, it's a few different. It's a few different fruity ones. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Pause. Pause. Like, they call yeah. it fruity plugins. So mm -hmm. Right, right. It's a few, it's a few different even, ones. I never even heard mm -hmm. of those. Yeah. Utility never touched them anything. No. So like gain staging is important, but, but don't be afraid to clip mm. when, cause sometimes you just need that grit and mm. to do it. Like, I don't have a problem. I don't care what any engineer says because I know what I want my stuff to sound like mm. on my EP, which is coming out Friday. You're going to hear, Friday. you're going to hear a <laughs> lot of sounds clipping. Go check that out. And What's it called? It's called one, two, three. It's just one, three two, tracks, mm. three bangers. I just wanted to put it out before I came out to Atlanta. I just decided at the last minute. I want to put this EP out and it's out now. Mm -hmm. I mixed it. Boom. There it is. That's lit. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> now, I know before we started, you said you didn't want to give out too much. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the opposite of that. I'm not afraid to give away everything I know because I know as, a, as creators, we're infinite. We can keep learning, keep doing better. There's no one secret that's going to... Um, that's gonna like break my career. Like if yeah. I tell you about soft clipping, my career is over. No. <laughs> right, right. I'll tell you anything because I'm just gonna keep being a creator. Nah, no, nah, I'm just for the people. Yeah. There's, definitely, yeah. there's definitely some shit. Some shit we gotta ask. We gotta talk to Q Beats. We gotta figure out what's going on with that. They probably won't tell us, but right. there's some secrets that we we need. We need. To, we, we need, need to yeah. exposed. But now, um, because I was just messing around cause before we started the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, we need some gems because some people are, are they don't want to give out too much sauce. But not nah, it's a sauce, man. I can't, I can't tell you anything. No, it's nah, a sauce. I can't tell you, nah, bro. Yeah, you, bro. Can't give you all the sauce. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But now, nah, shout out to Decap for revealing the sauce. What are some of your go-to third-party effects for um, um, 
Yeah, third party. Third party effects. Um, I'll start by saying like when I was using Ableton and I still am, um, and usually when I start a track, it's just all Ableton stock stuff. And when I'm in FL, it's usually FL stock stuff because I just like the way they both sound. But I love, there's a lot of VSTs I love and I I buy plugins all the time. Um, Third party effects. I've been liking um, Trash 2 on 808s. Trash. Yeah, it's made by Isotope. Okay. Isotope oh, okay. Trash. Okay, we shout mm. out Isotope. We yeah. Record there. Yeah, Isotope Trash is fire um, for 808s. Um, let's see. I know there's so many. I'm just Cheap not thinking. Cheap too. It's like $29. For, for, clip, for like vocals, like any. Yeah. Like, I love UAD stuff. I just mm. got UAD mm-hmm. and um, I love how you can just put UAD plugins on console and just run vocals through it. Mm. Like It print. Yeah, uh, you can print it. I do. I personally print it. Like, I know a lot of people, like, won't print it, but I just like to. On the Apollo? Yeah. It's fire. Yeah, you can it's print. Fire. The Apollo has great plugins, like um, the Distressor, CL1B, um, the Vox Box, like, mm. all amazing for vocals. Um, and these are all manipulation? Crazy. Are these manipulations or are these more, like, refining vocals? They're analog. Like, you guys have a CL1B here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a compressor. Um, I mean, for I'm, I think I'm seeing it specifically for, like, manipulation, oh. like, vocal effects. Got you. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times, like if I want to do a stutter mm-hmm. or something, I'll just go in Pro Tools or in Ableton and just like take the note I want, the vocal that I want to stutter and, and just, just copy it. paste mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, since I started using Pro Tools, like I love Audio Suite. Mm. Yeah. It's just amazing. Like I love the Verify and mm. um, Hell yeah. yeah. I just love like, that's how I used to work in Cool Edit. Like everything was destructive editing. Like you put an effect on it and it changes the audio. Right, There's no right. going back. Mm. You can't change your mind. So it just, it makes you work in a different way. Um, and I like that. I like committing to changes. Decisive. Yeah. yeah. And in Ableton, um, Ableton lets you warp audio like right on the timeline. Like right. I like messing around with the different warp modes, um, like dragging a clip, extending it, like, and just seeing what kind of tones it gives you. Um, I love like, this is something I did since, you know, I'm a student of Dr. Dre. I've always studied Dr. Dre's mixes. And he, I remember like the first time I remember him doing it was, it was in this song he did with Be Real on the DJ Muggs soundtrack. He would take like a little vocal. It was on, yeah, it was on that. And he also did it for Exhibit on one of Exhibit's Exhibit. records. Exhibit. Yeah. Hmm. I just did a record with Exhibit too. For real? It's coming out soon. Locksmith Exhibit. Revy and Razcast is called With God, coming out soon. Mm. Hmm. Um, what was I just saying? Um, Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. So one thing he would do is take like a little piece of the vocal, put it on a track, add a long reverb tail with it, mm. reverse it, and it would go into a vocal. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, like the yeah. ghost reverb kind the of ghost thing? ghost reverb, yeah, on Waves, yeah. Yeah. He, Exhibit had it on the track Three Card Molly, and that effect always like, was amazing to me. And mm. so I still use that to this day. Thank, shout out to Dre. Mm-hmm. Or, that's yeah. That's like similar to like the Travis Scott kind of thing that he does too, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah so I never knew that, that that started with Dre though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if for sure if it started with Dre, but that's the first time I heard it. Or, I think or, I always think of Dre when yeah. I think of that effect. No, I'm just saying I didn't even realize it, it was yeah, that. I, exactly. I, didn't I didn't know. know. Yeah. I thought that was something I thought that was some yeah, goddamn yeah. Travis Pro Tools, the way. Pro Tools <laughs> trap vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, trap vocals, FL Studio. Man, I'm I'm feeling a little random random question around. We haven't done this in a minute. Um, but we'll just throw, I got a couple here, but you guys can throw some, some ran- too. Just random questions. Just random questions. Like, doesn't even have Let's to go. do with music. I know Karen is good at throwing these ones out. <laughs> um, 
Well, we we just talked about the first one was favorite effect plugin, but we just talked about that. Favorite instrument plugin. Favorite instrument plugin. I mean, I a go-to for me, I love lately I've been loving purity. I wouldn't mm. say it's my favorite, but it's a great plugin. Mm. Okay. Um, Omnisphere is fire. Yeah. It's just a go-to. Yeah. But everyone says Omnisphere. Um, I love, I just love the sounds in it. Um my favorite plugin when I just need a quick piano is Addictive Keys. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Okay. It's fantastic. so fast. Like yeah, you load fantastic. it and it's open. Mm-hmm. Shout out to XLN Audio. Mm. Hell yeah. They're dope. Favorite artist. Favorite artist. Late, I just, Kendrick Lamar, man. Mm. Kendrick Lamar is fire. Favorite restaurant. Favorite restaurant. Oh, man. I've, okay. I'm going to have to say Pizzeria Matza. In Los Angeles, because I'm Italian and I love pizza. Mm. I love good pizza. Mm. Pizzeria Mozza in Los Angeles. What's a good place in San Fran? A good pizza spot or yeah. anything? Pizza. Yeah. yeah, good pizza spot. Um, I love Delfina. Pizzeria Delfina mm-hmm. is fire. If you're ever out in SF, hit me up. I know all the pizza spots. I know all the spots, guru. but yeah, I'm a pizza guru, by the way. Pizza guru. Um, yeah, Delfina is fire. Yeah, I'll go with Delfina. All right, I got a random question. You had to describe yourself as a flavor of a potato chip. What <laughs> flavor potato chip would you be? And give me one reason why. Oh, my God. I'm stuck on this one. That's a tough question, bro. Tough question, That's a right? really tough question. I've been thinking about this question for like two days. So I'm coming up with if, trying to figure out an icebreaker. If I was a flavor of a potato chip. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Do you I have, don't do even you eat potato anything? chips. Do I know? Yeah. I'd probably be a smoky barbecue. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, bro. You got to explain why. You can't barbecue. answer that on, question. It's, like it's a, an impossible question. I'd probably on, be like a honey yeah. smoky barbecue because it's a little... It's a little oh, bit, bro. Little, it's, <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud, it just doesn't sound as good as it did. Yeah. Before, but it's like... <laughs> What else you guys got? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm about to come up with a different one. That wasn't it. Best first piece of hardware. Uh, best first piece of hardware for that I caught, or for what that you would recommend. Someone's like, "Yo, okay. man, I want to get into hardware." Man, you know, I I think a good drum machine is fire. Like, especially if you make sample packs. Like, getting a good drum machine that mm-hmm. you can like des- learn to design something from scratch. Um, another one that I like lately is um, it's a synth called Novation Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it's a wavetable synth, and mm-hmm. it's it's like an analog digital. It's fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good like analog synth is good. Um, I don't have one, but like the Prophet is amazing by Dave Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, they also make like a small one called the Tetra. Um, it's so fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I heard it ever. Yeah. You got any random? Yeah, I got a question. So. I, mean, I got a random question. What producer do you think what producer do you think is better than you? Man. Um That's a really good question. Um I mean there's a lot of producers that are nasty, but I'm the best me there is. I mean I, I, but like what producer gives you that feel like when you hear it, it's like God damn. I know I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I know I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. God damn. I mean, like, since the first time I heard Jay Dilla, like, mm-hmm. I was just like, it, it hit me, like, right here. Like, Tribe <laughs> Called Quest. Snares. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's like a big, drums at knock, like, Jay Dilla is, like, imprinted in my soul. Like, mm. just the way those snares would hit on a Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. Like, Max. I can't, 
yeah, Jay Dilla is my inspiration, and mm. he's so fire. Yeah, fire answer. You got to You got to re- for. You got to redeem yourself with it, right? Or not? I'm gonna just. <laughs> He's out. He's out of the game. I'm out of the game. I'm out of the game. All right, man. Smoky barbecue. All right, so that we'll, uh, that's it for random questions. But hey, man, um, let people let people know where they can go, learn more, and check out everything you got going on, man. Cool. Yo, thank you guys for having me. This is amazing. Well, this man. platform is just like next level. I love just a place where producers can come here and just share knowledge. Um, uh, just follow me on all social media platforms. Is at Decap Music. Um, Spotify, you can just search Decap. Um, you know, everything Decap Music. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, hit me up, DM me, let's be in communication. And uh, I'm looking forward to just watching every interview for you guys. I'm a fan. Appreciate so, that, man. Yeah, thank you guys. For um, everyone that's the one that looks for us, become better at sound design. If you had, had a YouTube one thing, what would you tell them to YouTube? Wanted to get better at sound design. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, to be honest, like what I respect is is sound designers that make their stuff from scratch. And mm-hmm. um, that's one thing I wanted to make sure I did from the beginning. Like Drums at Knock, um, I think part of the reason it's, it's um, been popular is just because everything's made from scratch. So mm-hmm. I'd search making stuff from scratch. I have a bunch of videos on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to keep doing more content about like making stuff from scratch. Um, but definitely like for all like, drum kit creators like i just i want to just like say learn to make your stuff like from scratch mm, I'm, yeah. I'm taking that one like heavy i'm taking that one in oh yeah appreciate it man yo thank you guys already man. Cap. another yeah. dope episode in the books man signing out peace y'all peace